Welcome in Pro Football Ireland, our week nine preview show. I don't know how it's got to the last single digit week of the year. I'm your host, Mark Hogan, sitting in Michael's seat while he's on the boy. Joined by Jason, of course. Jason, how are you feeling? Have you done your packing? Yeah, well, not yet. Not, not, haven't got that far yet, but geez, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. I didn't make it to the Germany game last year. I know you guys did, but I've heard some amazing things about the German fans in general. Uh, so just, you know, the atmosphere enough will be exciting, but we'll get into it later now. But the two teams we have uh, on, on our plate is going to be something else, game of the season. And it happens to be in Germany. We're very lucky. Yeah, I've never been to Frankfurt before, but the, it has a lot to live up to based on Munich last year. Like the crack around the game, like literally around the stadium and then the bars and stuff afterwards. And the fans, I like, I don't know if I said it before, but I was sitting next to a lad from Finland the last time and we yapped throughout the game. It was absolutely serious. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting over there. Have you been Frankfurt before? No, I've never actually been to Germany before. So it's passing through once. So uh, I'll have to dust off my leaving cert German that I've just completely forgotten all of it. It's been about 10 years now. But I better throw in a few words there and make that effort, you know. But it's a place I've always wanted to go, and it's. I think we're just missing Oktoberfest, which is something I really want to go to sometime. But uh, hey, you're lucky though. We have the um, last year when we went to Munich, there was the Christmas markets on, so that was insane because I've never done a proper legit Christmas market before. And don't get me wrong, I did not do a proper legit Christmas market in Germany. I was only passing through to the bars or whatever. But uh, yeah, the setup is it's definitely a different place. It's kind of funny because on the NFL social media, I forget if this was the UK account or the actual straight up NFL account, but like Americans are getting a bit thick now saying, oh, there's too many games going abroad. And I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, they're, I don't know, I think it's a bit selfish. I'm like, look, we're not German. We're going over this game. I'm absolutely psyched for those fans over there. But it's like, I don't think that's just European bias. I think it's fair enough to get these games around the place. Absolutely, yeah. Especially with the the extra game in the season now. I think that was a move that definitely had an eye towards having more international games. So it's not like home fans are being deprived of a, a season ticket game anymore or anything like that. Um, I think just this year, this, the games have probably been so good on paper that uh, maybe they think we don't deserve them. But geez, look... We don't have to talk about it. Everyone who listens to this podcast will know fans on this side of the pond are more than deserving to watch this quality of football because the knowledge about the game is there, the passion about the game is there. So why why shouldn't we have these these games? <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's it's one for the off season to get into or whatever. But um we're gonna preview the game properly later on because it's a barn burner of a game. Obviously the Dolphins playing the Chiefs is gonna be a howler of two six and two teams. Absolutely blessed the fans are to be getting that in um, Germany. Before that, I guess it's a bit of housekeeping. It feels like even though it's only been twenty four hours less really since uh or since recording this, that the trade deadline stopped or ended, closed, shut. But there was definitely some big moves towards the end of it. I mean, I've talked about it already on a podcast, so I won't completely rehash. But I do want to get your thoughts. Um, I mean, the standout ones, obviously, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Did you see the two of them moving? No, I didn't. Um, and I'm not sure I think it's the best move for them. You know, uh, Montez Sweat is 27, Chase Young is 24. They're both on pace for the most sacks of their career. They're both playing as good as they've ever played. The commanders are even still inside the playoff race because the NFC is so wide open. So I think, um, you know, maybe the owners, it does seem like an owner-driven decision. You can't say that for definite, but 
maybe they don't see the value in being a fringe wildcard team this year and would rather hit the, the reset button. But my problem with that is you, you don't hit the reset button and get rid of players that are in core positions and still, you know, just entering the prime of their careers. I don't see why they couldn't have um, held on for them for a couple more years. I know they'd have to renew the contract, but that's a position that it's okay to pay the money in because it's such an important, you know, you see the weaker teams around the league. That's what position they're always looking for. And it's probably the biggest difference maker besides a, a quarterback. So to get rid of two of those guys um, for a second and a third, you know, warranted that second pick is going to be very valuable with the Bears. Um, but that third rounder for for Chase Young is going to be a late third round pick in all likelihood. Uh, I know he has the injury issues, but you're not going to get a third round pick that's going to be on the level of, of him as a player or have the potential of him as a player. And I don't mind giving him his uh, contract. It's not going to be absolute top of the market, but I'd rather just invest the money in that position, um, to be honest. I do love the move from the 49ers side, of course. We're now going to be looking at a D-line of Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, and Chase Young on the opposite side. So they've had a few struggles the past few weeks, and good to see them going out and making a move to um, to rectify that. Very different from the Bears side then. You know, they aren't going to be an immediate contender. But um, different way of thinking to what the commanders are doing right now. And they think that's a position that we should invest in, even if we are a weaker team. They gave up a lot for it. Some people are comparing it to the Chase Claypool trade. It's just absurd. Montez Sweat has um, proven himself to be a better player than that. So I'm sure he'll be a solid addition for them. But Ryan Poles will be sweating with his contract demands in the offseason because he has all the leverage now. You can't make a trade like that and not extend the player. So he's going to get above market value um, now that that trade is done. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, it's a funny one. Like, you've made many good points and there's worth touching on a few things there. If a team like the Chicago Bears wanted to get Montez Sweat into the building, they were going to have to overpay on the open market anyway. So they're just going to have to overpay within the building. So I kind of get it from that point of view. I think that when you say the Chicago Bears are rebuilding, definitely this year's a write-off, but they're a team that says that we can use them for the next four years, if that's a contract that they give them, a four-year contract, because we see the NFC North has an opening. Whereas I made the point to James saying the Washington Commanders are obviously like, well, our division is shut between the Dallas Cowboys and the Eagles for the next two or three years. There's no point us paying these two players to have, you know, monster defensive ends on our team through their prime. That's the only logic that I can see because, like, looking on paper, the Chicago Bears are in the same position as the Washington Washington Commanders. At least the Chicago Bears are in play for the first overall pick with owning the Carolina Panthers um, pick. And maybe they go for quarterback and they get out of the hole way quicker than the Washington Commanders. But like, yeah, the calling card for that Washington team for so long was the defensive line. And they, I suppose, maybe you can say they capitalized on that Taylor Heineke playoff game against Tom Brady was definitely interesting a couple of years ago. But other than that, it's been pretty much a waste. And yeah, like, obviously, you can say goodbye to Ron Rivera and that after the season. Like, you know, they're, they're clearly checking out. And again, one of the points that I'd made is, Maybe they're trying to build up some draft capital so they can make some moves in the draft. They'll be touching in around one of those high picks each time the the rounds come around. But I suppose 
the long and short of it for me is I'm glad that we can see a team acknowledge their shortcomings. We as Cardinals fans were able to see that in the offseason when I think they un- unleashed or sorry, uh, let go of too much talent. But then look at how that's turned out that y- you get such dogs in the team. But at least Washington is able to have that self-awareness that fans are often clamoring for when they're saying like, let's just give up on this and look towards the future. But yeah, when it's two franchise guys that you're not, like you say, going to hit on, maybe the Montez Sweat, you can get someone at the top of the, the second round. But like that third round pick, it's like, what are you even doing it for at that point? I feel like Chase Young, there must be personality issues behind the scenes because obviously they knew well out that they didn't want to give him that contract and like never picking up his fifth year contract and just not wanting to have any dealings with them doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but like we'll see how it goes i think the 49ers obviously a massive a massive um gain for them and it's like they're the real winners uh do you have anything else to add on those players i will hit on some other guys before but obviously they were the um the headlines from the trade deadline yeah no it's just um they're they're obviously the two highlights and it was a relatively uh busy trade deadline compared to years past i know it can sometimes be a letdown uh, for how much hype it gets, but we do have some players to talk about, and they're obviously the headlines. But um, no, I think we we pretty much covered it there. One guy I want to talk about, if you don't mind me, um, take uh, t- jumping in here, is uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, wide receiver to the Detroit Lions for just a sixth. And it's a nice kind of just interesting example of a team who doesn't have a glaring need. You know, nobody would say that the, the Detroit Lions need a wide receiver right now. And they're playing football good enough that nobody really had them pegged as being a, a player on the trade deadline to begin with. But I love when a team recognizes the opportunity they have in a year. The NFC is wide open right now and they're at the forefront of that. So why not just, you know, put the foot down, pedal to the metal and uh, double down on some of these skill position players and uh, I don't think he's going to be an absolute difference maker, but you need depth and you need a lot of things like this down the stretch in these longer seasons and into the playoffs, which they're clearly looking forward to. Uh, so that's uh, one nice uh, move that I liked. Um, there's a few other names there as well, if if you want to talk about them there. Yeah, no, I'm glad you hit Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's definitely um, the guy that I wanted to talk about. I think it's going to be interesting to see what Jameson Williams, if his targets are kind of come away from him because he hasn't been an absolute standout. We were hoping that he would take a massive jump this year. And Donovan Peoples-Jones has been real kind of up and down. Like in the preseason, I remember waking up one day and it's like he'd gone off and it's like, oh, this is his year. Last year around this time in a Halloween game, he had a massive performance as well. Like four catches, 81 yards. You're thinking, geez, this guy is a baller. But like, it'd be interesting, obviously, with how pass happy the Lions are to see how he does not. Um, other trades, I'm going to mention later on, uh, Result Douglas going to the Bills. That's big. Ezra Cleveland going to the Jags for some depth on the O-line is kind of like one of those names that you hear hanging around, but it's like you don't actually know if he's good or bad because like PFF would tell you he's good, but then like, fans will say that they don't want to see him on the field but then a team like the Jags will be like well we've got one guy with a bit of experience versus like this plug and play that you often have to do like offensive linemen are very difficult to get and it all depends on system and stuff so I think he's lucky that he's ended up with the Jacksonville Jaguars um, and then Leonard Williams just leaving the New York Giants I I suppose just now that he's out of New York I suppose is um, a funny one but yeah Kevin Boyer to the Eagles that happened last week I think that Kevin Boyer isn't the same man or the same safety that he was a couple of years ago and um, 
we're going to hold a quarterback move until we talk something later on. Um, so yeah, that was the trade deadline. I'm glad that you said it. it's like uh, the Lions is kind of like went about the business the right way. A good team that didn't have a specific need going out and getting it. And then uh, yeah, the Washington football or sorry, the Washington Commanders uh, gave us something to talk about. Um, just unloading those guys, just which is like massive. The, um, just like Seattle as well with that Leonard Williams move, kind of similar to the Lions. Uh, Seattle's defense hasn't been too, you know, they've been very strong and they haven't had too much flaws so I love to see them going in and getting a, a player like that to bolster the, the D-line and just keep pushing it when they see the opportunity in front of them because you have to grab it these windows can close fast in the NFL and that's why trades are so important when the opportunity is right wonder how long he's going to stay around obviously um, once upon a time he was with the Jets and then when he went to the Giants um, I know I feel like Seattle could do with a bit of help on its and it's D-line. Like, I don't think it's completely consistent yet. And that was a narrative coming into the season as well. It's like, I do need to see a bit more from it. So it's like, I'm glad. I don't think that it's as much of a luxury as, say, Donovan Peoples-Jones going to the Lions. Um, we talked about a lot of teams there, I suppose, that are involved in the playoff race. And something that we want to talk about now, we're halfway through the season. It's outrageous. Like, you do wish that the trade deadline was a bit further on. But you know, like maybe week 12 or 13, because you still feel like there's a pecking order to figure itself out. But it's like a lot of those teams are obviously seeing themselves as a contender. Like the teams that we just talked about now, obviously Chicago is not going to make the playoffs, but like the 49ers getting Chase Young, Rizal Douglas going to the Bills, uh, Jags getting someone, the Lions getting someone. They're going to playoff teams. And it's because those playoffs are definitely coming into view. We thought at the halfway point, it would be worth talking about where we see the playoffs going. Um, this exercise, Jason, funnily enough, actually made the playoff race seem less interesting or less exciting to me from the AFC side. I'm going to look at the AFC, but the NFC side then, it's like the AFC as a conference is super competitive, but it's because all the big names in the NFL, all the big name teams at least, hang out there. Whereas the NFC seems to be San Francisco and Philadelphia and then everyone else. But there's going to be some surprise names in there. Like, I'm dying to hear who you say in particular who you think is the seventh seed. But, um, yeah, has your have your thoughts changed much since uh, the beginning of the season? Yeah, they've, they've changed a bit. I think we knew going into it that the NFC wasn't as strong as the, the AFC. And it does seem a bit more open. It's probably a bit more top-heavy. Uh, the drop off between those top few teams is 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 a lot, uh, a lot bigger than in the NFC or the AFC. Sorry, um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised when I sat down and tried to map out how I think it's going to shake out. I was kind of surprised with the answer I got because it's not what I would have. Uh, what I started off with when I was looking into this is pretty different to what I came out with. So I'll, I'll launch into it. Um, I think we have five short things for the playoffs in the NFC. With the Eagles, Lions, 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Cowboys. Of those five teams, when I first sat down, I had the Eagles marked in number one. You know, they're currently the number one seed. And I didn't think too much about it. But then I started having a peek at the remaining schedules each of these teams have. And my God, Philadelphia have a, a gauntlet coming up. They've got to play Kansas City. They have to play Dallas twice, who have had the, their number the past few years. They've played Seattle, San Francisco, and the Buffalo Bills. Six of their last nine games, they are very strong playoff teams. So 
then I looked at some other schedules and I'm actually going to go with the Detroit Lions as the number one seed, having looked at um the rest of their the rest of their play. Uh, you know how quickly things change. A couple of weeks ago, it was either the 49ers or the Eagles. No questions asked, but we've seen a few struggles from the Philadelphia and a few struggles from San Francisco as well. And the Lions schedule hasn't been brutal so far. They've beaten a couple of good teams, uh, but really they have the third easiest schedule um, left in the NFL. Uh, I'll just see I have have written down here. So they play the Bears twice, the Packers, the Broncos, uh, the Chargers, the Vikings twice, who are now, of course, without Kirk Cousins, the Saints, and the Cowboys. The Cowboys are the only really team that jumps out there as a, a, a team you wouldn't maybe fancy the Lions to, to beat, but you wouldn't write them off either. Do you know so, what, Jason? I'll jump in because it's actually something that I put out on my own social media last week. So these... Um... Records are incorrect, so I just have to quickly skim to make sure that it actually is. It still goes through. The Dallas Cowboys are the only remaining team with a winning record for the Lions. Now, you could say the the Vikings and the Saints both went to 4-4 four and four over the weekend, so you include them as well, but you're dead right. I'm actually going to touch on schedules, funnily enough, later on, because I think the, the luxury, or as fans were particularly lucky this year, that the best teams are playing the best teams. So it's like these guys that are vying for the number one seed. They're not doing it because they're playing the AFC South and that they have the the way the schedule is made up that they're playing another 14 seed seed throughout the throughout the year. It's that they're playing quality teams. I suppose that's the one thing that the Lions have in their favor that the division that they're in. But it's like, yeah, I wonder how frisky the Minnesota Vikings are going to be. They play them um, twice more, and it's like that's kind of that's where I have my circles the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, that, that is a big question mark. I think Josh Dobbs did some good things with Arizona again. We're trying to not intertwine topics here because he'll come up later. Um, but I can see him filling in pretty nicely. They might have a rough patch when he gets to learn the playbook for a couple of weeks. Uh, but I can't imagine he'll be on par with what they had going with Kirk Cousins, who was playing, you know, he's a top 10 quarterback in the league uh, despite the team's struggles. So uh, I don't actually have them making the playoffs. So I'll just run through the rest of what I have here uh, without being too long-winded. But we have Detroit at the number one seed. Um, I'll take San Francisco to win the West and Seattle coming through behind them. Eagles to win the East, despite that brutal schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas can nip them, to be honest, because um, theirs is nowhere near as gruesome. And they do play each other twice, so there'll be massive swing games and in, in how that shapes out. Gets tougher beyond those five teams. We have two spaces left, and these last two teams might sound a bit crazy, seeing as many of us had the NFC South pegged as the worst division in the NFL going into the season. Uh, but I think New Orleans are going to win the South off the back of their defense more than anything else. And, you know, Derek Carr has been pretty solid the last few weeks. And I can see the Atlanta Falcons limping through behind them to take that final place in the playoffs. Both are four and four right now, and the remaining schedules for both of them are stupidly easy, to be honest. I know there's no easy games in the NFL, especially for two teams like that. But as you say a second ago, it's a byproduct of being in a weaker division. Um, they face off each other twice. Let's split that and say they both go five and five. Um, and then from there, they both have the Panthers. They both have the Bears. That could be two more wins. 
Uh, New Orleans have the Giants. Atlanta have the Cardinals. That could be three wins each. They both have the Vikings. You know, you can just see very beatable teams here. And even some of the tougher teams that I haven't mentioned aren't games that you'd automatically write uh, New Orleans and Atlanta off in. So I think the position they've gotten themselves into, still a lot of question marks about how they'll go forward, especially with Taylor Heineke, of course. Um, but 4-4 four and four is a good position to be in with that remaining schedule. And I can actually see two teams from the NFC South coming through, which I definitely didn't see before the season. Yeah, the Falcons have a simple walk in through the rest of the year. Like it is the easiest. It's so funny. Um, the teams that you listed, and this is why I'm saying, like doing this exercise, I'm like, it looks like it's a very gray, uh, gray going forward now to see which teams uh, get into the playoffs. But I, you and I have named the exact same teams. I was just thinking whether the Rams would get in instead of Atlanta because I prefer watching the Rams this year. But yeah, that Atlanta now with Taylor Heineke. But it's so funny, Jason, because that's the same lineup that I had going into the year, except for Green Bay instead of Seattle. So it's like, what are we doing here? It's like all these games are being played and that's the same predictions as we had. Now, they've definitely gone about it in different ways. We thought that Atlanta in particular would be a lot more impressive. But uh, it's definitely a funny one that it was predictable but yet it's not predictable because we don't know um, what's going to happen through the rest of the year. And it's like, hopefully someone comes out of nowhere. Um, same thing kind of happens if we flip to the AFC side of things. Um, based on my preseason predictions, I'm only subbing out the New York Jets for a team that I get to in a second. But I have, I suppose maybe the order has changed a little bit. I do have the Bengals win- winning the AFC North. I think they are the best football team in uh, the NFL, or sorry, in the AFC right now, the only reason I wouldn't put them at the top of the power rankings is they're a game and a half behind the Baltimore Ravens, but they do play each other um, later on in the year. And it's funny because this time last month, I was saying they'd do well to go 2-2 two and two against the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Bills, and the 49ers, and they literally just switched it on, and that's them announcing that they're back. So it's almost like, yeah, it's isn't great that they're able to take September off and they're completely underrated now. It's like, isn't that the story of the Chiefs or the Patriots of years ago? So, um, yeah, I think that they're playing phenomenally well. The Dolphins, I think, win the AFC East. We're going to talk about them a little bit in a second, so I'll talk about maybe some pros and cons for them. The Jags win the South. Jags are playing one of the best in the NFL as well, probably going a bit under the radar. They're on a five-game win streak for those away. They're against teams that are 500 or above, but probably the weaker side of those 500 and above. They've been the Steelers, the Saints, the Bills, the Falcons in recent weeks weeks um i do worry about their pedigree come playoffs that's a problem for the playoffs but uh right now it's like they're leading the league in takeaways on defense with 18 they're 10th in the league in points allowed which is obviously fantastic and trevor lawrence travis Etienne, josh allen and darius williams on the defense are probably playing some of the best football uh josh allen actually leads the afc in sacks with nine at the moment so it's like jacksonville are actually doing it on a lot of levels right now so they're like they're obviously looking well um i was wondering would Will Levis be able to put them under pressure? Because this is the whole thing. I'm going to talk in a second about, like, yeah, the schedules, but it's like the AFC North does it, or sorry, the AFC South does lend itself to those friskier teams like the Colts and the Texans, who maybe they're frisky thanks to their um, schedule and they're able to beat up on the, some of those weaker teams. But um, yeah, the Jags have a two and a half game lead. And if they're able to, in that division, if they're able to obviously keep it up, yeah, they should be competing for one of the top um, seeds in the NFC. Uh, the West goes to the Chiefs, hands down. There's no competition in that. And then for my, I suppose, walkout picks, I have the Bills going in there. 
Um, that secondary just for me is causing them problems at the moment. Kyrie Elam, like a former first round pick, can't even see the field. Josh Norman was activated ahead of him this weekend, and obviously they traded him. Like I said, I talk about, but I don't know. Let's see how uh, short we can keep this. But um, they went for Rizal Douglas from the Packers, formerly of the Eagles, um, to yeah, shore up that defensive back unit. It's like they are kind of like, you know, jumping through the guys at the moment to see like can they get someone to fit so it's like yeah that's obviously something that they just saw the um, just saw the injury report there i don't know if you saw it on twitter just before i uh just before i came on and rasul douglas is actually listed on the bill's injury report and the diagnosis is just arrived or just oh, i've never no seen way. that before <laughs> never uh, seen that. josh uh, allen's on it too with his uh, with his shoulder so it was a nice deflection tactic there to just uh, create that meme where the injury report but I found that amusing. Anyway. It's funny fun. because uh, I'll touch on this now quickly. Um, there's there's massive games coming up for these, but like the Bengals play the Bills this weekend. It's kind of like, is that an eliminator for their divisions? Like maybe not for the Bills. They obviously can keep pace with the Dolphins a bit more, but it's like it's a must win obviously for the Bengals. But um, getting back on track then, I the the Ravens get in. That's a team that I didn't have before the season getting into the uh, playoffs. I know you love the Ravens. I don't trust their receivers. I think it's all on Lamar's shoulders, which is absolutely well and good. But like, look where that got them in the playoffs when they were on fire a few years ago. It's like you get a bad rain day or a windy day and it like completely changes. And it's like, there is stuff going right, but I, I still don't trust the receivers. I need to see a bit more out of them. And um, who had I got down as my fifth, or sorry, my final team? Oh, I think that is them. The Bills, oh, and the Browns. Um, But the Browns aren't as hot as I thought they'd be going in. But, like, I have them over the Steelers. What do you think about that one? Oh, yeah, I have the exact same uh, seven teams that you just picked there. The only difference, I have the Ravens winning the, the North instead of the, the Bengals. Um, Yeah, that was the toss-up for me, I think. Most of these picks are kind of almost sure things halfway through the season. It is just those bottom couple of wildcard ones are up for grabs. Uh, I was looking at the Steelers. I half thought, you know, will the Chargers and Justin Herbert get something going? They could. It's a team that could go on a winning streak. Um, but at this point, I think it's we're heading more towards a, a Staley sacking at the end of the year. Um, yeah, there's much higher quality than the, the NFC. Um, like the top I'd almost take, yeah, it's hard to say now the Eagles are up there as well, but the top four teams from the AFC, I think might be the best four in the league. And they're very balanced as well. Besides the Miami Dolphins, whose success is primarily driven by the offense. Uh, you mentioned the Jaguars have done good things defensively. Kansas City are, have absolutely uh, best defense in years. Baltimore, very balanced team. They can run, they can pass. Uh, I know you've question marks about receivers and, you know, I get that they have been better the last couple of weeks. Mark Andrews, that's one guy I don't have question marks about. Uh, so these are teams that can really win in many different ways. They have the star power, a quarterback. Uh, the defense can pick up the slack. And most of them have strong running games anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely see, uh, I'd like to see the odds in it now, but um, the AFC having a Super Bowl winner is looking like a pretty strong bet right now. Yeah, unless they all beat up on one another, because this is what I was saying with the schedules, and I hope this doesn't uh, make for the worst audio of all time. But if I run through those top teams, and I've actually left the 
Browns out of this exercise just because they are at 500 but like some people don't like the Browns and just think they're useless right now and don't believe in them so it's like I said I'd leave it off just to make this completely like no one can really disagree with me here the Kansas City Chiefs still on their schedule have Miami Philly Buffalo Miami or sorry Miami Philly Buffalo and the Bengals they are four absolute legitimate teams but then Miami has the Chiefs the Cowboys the Ravens and Bills four legit teams the Bills have the Bengals, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Cowboys. It's the same for the Ravens. It's the same for Cincinnati. The Jags are the only one with let up. They only have three legit teams, and that's the 49ers, the Bengals, and the Ravens on their schedule. I think it's just incredible that everyone has to go through potential number one seeds or potential two definite division winners. They all have division winners left on their schedule. And it's like, that's where I'm like, there's no quote-unquote star power team it seems in the AFC right now they're all like you know higher powered and we all you know go on their legacy names oh it's the Kansas City Chiefs it's the Cincinnati Bengals but we're all wondering where is that team that should be like gone to 8-0 gone to 9-0 this this time of year and it's because they all have to they are all beating up on one another I wonder what that means then for the playoffs when you're we're going to have seen a lot of these and I don't think this is typical that we're going to have seen a lot of these games already earlier on in the year and what does that mean because I said to James Gehl on the on our other podcast last week now I said look don't take this as complete gospel or certainly don't take me completely serious here I just wanted to kind of like you know, tease this out a little bit. I don't think Miami put its best forward against Philadelphia last week. And I said, come Super Bowl, maybe they'll be glad of that because they want to have shown so much of the run game. Not that any of these teams are going to hold back in the regular season, but maybe if you do have an off day, it's not going to be the worst thing if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you're going to have to play the Kansas City Chiefs in a wildcard game. You know, what do you think? Yeah, just definitely a thing of um, peaking too soon and, you know, that kind of cliche that you can't beat a team three times in a year or it's hard to beat a team three times in a year. So even some of these interdivisional battles, uh, if you come out on top twice, good chance you could be seeing them again in the playoffs, whether that's Baltimore and Cincinnati or Miami or Buffalo. Uh, a few different combinations that we can see beating up on each other there. Hesitant to bring it up. Almost reminiscent of the a certain rugby world cup that we just saw with all the talent being on one side of the pool. Um so I don't know, but yeah, you could see benefits as well to that that they're gonna be proven and tested and battle hardened against some of these uh, top quality opponents. Whereas a team like the Detroit Lions that I just mentioned who have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL to coast into the playoffs. Well that's all well and good, clocking up the regular season wins, but when you come up against you know, a true tough test then in January and you haven't been tested in a few months, uh, then that could have its downsides too. So there's definitely positives and negatives um, to both sides of it. But, you know, I'm not complaining seeing all these top teams battle out against each other. It's making for some entertaining Sunday nights right now. Some slate as well this weekend, by the way. I know we'll be in Germany, but... Uh, we mentioned the three-game slate last uh, couple of weeks ago. That really stood out, and I think this one tops it, to be honest. We've got Miami against Kansas City in the afternoon. Seattle against Baltimore at 6 o'clock. Uh, at 9 o'clock is Philly against Dallas. And then Sunday Night Football is Cincinnati against the Bills, as you mentioned a while ago. Just what more could you want as a football fan? These are some top-quality teams that could be meeting each other again down the road. 
Hey, you're uh, going to feel it. You're going to feel it. We talked about when you're doing one of these travel days to go to one of the games, you miss out on the excitement of some of the actual like contests that are going on. And you're going to realize very quickly because you're going to be sitting on a plane when the Cowboys are playing the Eagles at nine o'clock. You're going to uh, be rushing no, off. No, no, no. Speak for yourself there. I've got the Monday oh. morning flight, so I'll be rushing off to some Deutsche oh. Bear. Oh, that is that is gonna be that is going to be electric with those German fans. I've no idea about the actual setup of the stadium. Hopefully, it's one that will be within walking distance because you don't want to be getting a taxi. But uh, yeah, I just hope that the price of a point isn't too expensive. It's outrageous next door to a Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, one of the games, and it, you know, to put a bow on that, I think you're right about the Lions. The Lions could get to quite a decent record. Whereas I think in the AFC, it'll only take a 12-win team to have the number one seed. We've been used to three of the last four years. We've seen a 14-3 and three record, a 14-win team get to the number one seed. I don't think... It's, it's not even hardly possible anymore. All the teams are at 6-2 and two in the AFC leading their divisions. So, um, yeah, it, it's just... Isn't it so funny that, like, it looks like it's all ahead of so many teams, but we very easily decided on, on the two sides the seven teams that we hope, I suppose, even uh, get through, I suppose, with an asterisk next to the um, Atlanta Falcons. If they can play well with Taylor Heineke, I'm absolutely all for it. Um, I think it's the right decision. But, you know, we should mention Arthur Smith. Like, he is such a kind of like, he, he just won't give a direct answer. When he actually is announcing in his press conference that... Taylor Heineke would be the starter. I don't even want to read the quote because it's that awkward, but it's a real like long-winded. So based on these circumstances, because of what we've seen, runs through all the cliches and eventually says Taylor Heineke would be starting this week. He hasn't even committed to the future. It's like, what are you, what are we doing here? 